some in the back of the church. You may be seated. I thank you for being here and what a good group we have here tonight. For those of you that are that are with us live stream, I would just ask for you to do your very best to concentrate and focus a moment on the word. Tonight is part two of a wisdom series. If by chance you were unable to hear the lesson or participate in the lesson last week, I would, I would urge you to get on the podcast or on the streaming service and listen to that or watch it again or for the first time. In some respects, all of the wisdom lessons that we would review have some repetitive nature to it. Uh, We can't go too far from the core of this particular uh, concept or or principle and and not have a, a, a mirrored image of itself in that repetitive way, even tonight. The key verse, and I want you to do this with me again, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Do you have that now? Proverbs 4 and 7. We're reading it out loud together. Here we go. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. I won't pursue this breakdown of our key verse, but just in a, in a very working definition, a simplified definition. Wisdom is knowing what to say. Understanding is knowing when to say it. Now, there's many other derivatives of that, but just so you could understand or differentiate between this particular verse and wisdom and understanding. Wisdom in this concept would be, what should I say? Understanding would be when to say it. You can say the right thing at the wrong time. Amen. (laughs) I've done that many times. I've said the right thing at the wrong time. Um, You can say the right thing, but not say it in the right way or with the wrong inflection or or with the wrong temperament. And so wisdom is the principal thing. There's a little tagline on this that Solomon gives us, and that's understanding. Now, this verse is not in your handout, and I don't even know if our team is ready to put it up, but I I want to just dispel one thing here before everybody because I'm teaching about something that I have pursued since I was 14 years old. When I was 14, uh, I don't remember who taught it. Preacher, mom, dad, someone. But they taught about wisdom. They preached about it in our church. And at 14, the Lord called me into the ministry. Specifically, he called me at 14 to be a pastor. This was a very frightening thing. I did not say it. But there was a man that came to our church, and after the end of the service, he walked over to me. He was, the, he was the attending evangelist at the time, and the Lord spoke to him exactly what the Lord spoke to me. And I prayed, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, give me wisdom. Now, I didn't know how to pray that prayer, just that I had heard it preached. If you want me to lead people, give me wisdom for your people. I repeated that prayer at a little chapel service sitting on the side, holding the back of a metal chair, and, um, in 1989, 90. Um, and I cried about that because it wasn't really something that I was anxious to do. But if 
you want me to do, to do this, Lord. Give me wisdom. And this has been my pursuit. Uh, my pursuit was not success. My pursuit was not personal gain or church numerical gain. It was just simply give me wisdom to lead this thy people. I'm just quoting what Solomon had said. But in that, it can, you, you, if it comes your way, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. With wisdom can also come a haughty spirit because you have successfully, successfully executed. But also with wisdom, if it's not, it, it, there, 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 there are times when it, when it's not foolproof. <laughs> Here's my scripture for myself, but I'm dispelling something here so that I can get on with this lesson. Job 32 and verse 9. This is not, if you can pull it up on the screen, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I didn't give it to you, but Job 32 and verse 9. Great men are not always wise. <laughs> you can do great, but it's not always right. You can be a great person, but that doesn't mean that you are always wise. You can be a wise person. You can be a loving person. But that doesn't mean you're always loving. Because pinch yourself because you're flesh. Because you're not glorified and you don't have it all together. So I just want to raise my hand right now before I start teaching wisdom and just say, I'm not always wise and I'm not always on track and I'm not always on. <laughs> And I don't always have the word to say. Isn't that exciting? Now do you want to hear me teach you? How do we know, Pastor, if you're on tonight? I don't know. You already told us sometimes you're not on. Could it be tonight? Yes, it could be tonight. All right. Um, There are opposing wisdoms, which is interesting to me. But as I dig down into the scripture, I see opposing wisdoms. That are very interesting to me. Um, there's the and and I you you kind of have to go down your Bible to get into that James chapter and th- your handout to get to James chapter three. That's what I want to read verses thirteen through seventeen. It says, "Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom." But if you have, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie, don't lie against the truth. And and here, James is going to. He's going to expose something here. It's going to be a a polar a polar presentation. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is this wisdom, this wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above, see, not, he's given us too. It, it, it's, it's first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So there's opposing wisdoms, and they, were, they are revealed in their nature. So there's something about the nature of this. From beneath, from above, they, they are opposite, they are... There are only two types of these. One comes from humanity, the other comes from God. And so I'm just going to give you a few attributes of earthly wisdom here. And 
and earthly wisdom, according as James has, has encapsulated this, the first attribute of earthly wisdom is that it's self-serving. That was good for me, me and mine. It's, it's a self-serving type of, of attribute. And this is readily seen in, in, in both the church and, 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 and outside of the church. This is not isolated to people that just, uh, that are not saved. The second attribute is self-justifying, which means the end justifies the means. This is a, it's a horrific thing that's been an affliction among many people. What is the outcome? Whatever the outcome is, it doesn't matter what the cost is. This is a, uh, I would call this a devilish type, type presentation. You know, to think that, that we're only concerned about the outcome. We're not concerned about the outcome. We're concerned about what's right. The outcome may not be in our favor, but what is honest and true and holy, that's what we're pursuing. The outcome might be loneliness. The outcome might be abandonment. The outcome is not always in your favor, ladies and gentlemen. So we have to be very careful of that. And I, boy, that's, there's, there's a lot of depth there, and I, I don't have time, but I want to talk about that. The third attribute is that it's born from pride. It's the appearance. It's the appearance. And this is all coming from James chapter 3. Sensual. There's, there's a sensuality, the appearance of it. And then finally, it's the anti-God approach. It's, I will arise, or I did it myself. It's, it's, it's a self-glorification. And that's the attribute of earthly wisdom. It's, it's from beneath. It's not from above. And so there can be people around us that, that look wise and there, there's an outcome of, of wisdom, but it's earthly wisdom and, and it, it's, it's full of strife. It's, it's, um, it, it has earthy tones to it, carnality to it. Even if you hear someone speak, um, they could have maybe some wise things to say, but, but they're born of a prideful look or a, a carnal position. Now, it takes a mature believer to distinguish between the two spirits that are presented before you. Yes. And I, and I cannot make anyone mature. I can teach. We, we, we can present the word. We provide times of prayer where God can speak to your life. There's development. If you take a, a cucumber and you, and you put it into the, the, the pot of vinegar, uh, I don't know what else goes in there. You, you create the pickle. It's the saturation. It changes a, not the contour, but the constitution. And before we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, I'm not, I don't really need church. There's something about being in the environment. It changes things in your life. It's important to be in the environment. We've learned that in two years of COVID, we took our children out of of our schools and now there is so much trauma and there's so much 
uh, anxieties and depression and issues coming out of that. When you remove people from the environment, it, it hurts them. It is a pain to them. So maybe some of them didn't get COVID, but there's a lot of other things that they didn't get neither. They didn't get touched. They didn't get communication. They didn't get love. They didn't get a hug. You need that. And, and it's critical that we remember that, that being in an atmosphere, you take on the, the characteristics of the atmosphere. A friend sharpeneth the friend. It, 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 it's iron sharpeneth iron. It's, it's having a communication of prayer. It's like-mindedness. And so to have, to, as you grow in the Lord, and we're all still growing, there is a maturity where you can actually kind of feel what wisdom you're hearing, what words you're hearing. Now, not everyone is even wise in that manner. Some people are just, they're, maybe I just, I'll say this correctly. They're unwise. So we know unwise. Amen. Everyone, you know, what? are you with me now? The unwise. Some people are just foolish. And so you'll never mistake their, their, their wisdom because they don't have that. But they're, I'm not talking about that. Now, there's attributes of godly wisdom. And, and certainly I'm not giving you every attribute of godly wisdom. But I'm just giving you a few, a few highlights. It's pure. That means it's without ill intention. It, the intention matters. The intention matters. It's pure. It results in peace. And, and it's resulted in peace or without strife. Without strife. Um, number three, it's just things that are just. This requires sound judgment or to judge correctly. It mean it doesn't play favorites. It's just. And finally, it produces good fruit. There should be a a product. It, it it's something coming out of the wisdom. So there's a production of it. What you're doing is resulting in something. It's a if you move something forward. There's a law in that. You're moving something. You're pushing something forward. There's, there's a, in that pushing forward or producing something, it's the law. There's a few laws of inertia and there's a laws of wind and, and, and motion. And so we, we know this as the law of harvest, but there's also other things when you're moving forward, there's a, there's a, there's a breaking of that, of that atmosphere. And so there's a production in, in, in good fruit. Uh, from sound and godly wisdom. And this is what James has taught us. He's taught us this. Let me read to you from another version of James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Then he warns us, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such and, he, and this is, in this version, it's kind of in quotes. Wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's of the devil. For where you have envy, selfish ambition, you have disorder, you have every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. When, when, when there is godly wisdom... Godly wisdom is a reflection 
of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and when there's not godly wisdom, there's not proper growth. There is anemic, there's anemic congregations and there are, there are dysfunctional families because it's not godly wisdom. So you have to seek for wisdom for your family, for your home. If you are a single individual here, you still seek for wisdom in your influences and in the people that you're around. Now there are three parts to this, this lesson tonight and I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to, uh, work through them as best I can in the time frame. The first part of this lesson is found in, in, in a particular, uh, uh, priority or, or the wisdom in priority. There's a, there's a particular wisdom in having the right priorities. And of course, there's so much I want to say about priorities, but I have to begin at the beginning. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Can we just pause right there? Don't, don't be so concerned about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. This is the, these are the words of Jesus Christ. Do you have this on your paper? I would like everyone to bring a red marker next week and mark this in red highlight marker and then put Jesus down beside it. Jesus said, don't take thought for tomorrow. Well, that's not what we're doing. Everyone is concerned about tomorrow. Hello. For the morrow shall take things for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That means you've got enough to worry about right now without worrying about tomorrow. Tell them I said hello. Hello. Hi for me. Tell them. Love you. Say I love you. Pastor said I love you. There's so much trouble to deal with now. It, it appears that the Lord is saying, look, you've got a lot of issues you're going to deal with tomorrow. You can't, you're not in tomorrow, you're in today. And so if you don't manage your priority, you're going to be out of order. And when you're out of order, you have, you, you can't function correctly. A lot of people are out of order in their daily life and they come to church dragging and miserable. Why? Because you've, you've, you've been, you've been forecasting something. You've been forecasting trouble and you're bound up and the trouble may come and it may not. But this is not what the Lord promoted. In fact, he taught us completely something different. The priority. And, and, and I'll, I'm breaking down these priorities, but I'll, I'll, we'll have to dig into it. So first it's God. God's the first priority. If you want to know how to live, just go to the first book of the, of the Bible. Go to the first chapter, the first verse, and just read a couple of words from the first. In the beginning, God. And just stop right there. Just stop right there. Don't even read. You want, to, you want to know what your Bible verse is for tomorrow? In the beginning, God. Just read that and then you're done. Just close your Bible after that. It won't take you long, I promise you. Here, get, get a little muffin, put butter on it, get your coffee cup, get all prepared, get the pen, the notepad, all the stuff, open up the Bible, start your Bible reading. Are you ready? In the beginning, God. Close it. And that's it. And if you can get that, 
You've got it all. But you don't have that because we don't have him in his proper place. Now, he is in his place by himself, but I have the ability to make him the Lord of my life. I have the ability. I didn't have it, but he gave it to me. I wasn't, I, I, it, it's not because I'm a creator. It's because the Lord made me a free, free moral agent. Because the Lord allowed me to resist him or to accept him. To receive him or to reject him. In the beginning, God. The priority is God. Not job. Not wife, husband, family, children. God is first. Always. The kingdom is first. Always. And, and in the script here tonight, I'm, I'm just, I, I want you to, to hear the, the words of the scripture. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Honor. You're honoring the Lord and with the first fruit of all thine increase. Substance and increase. This is an honor to God. This is not your payment. I, I, I know I may be repetitive, so please forgive me. But I have to continually say this because there's so much confusion. There's so much false teaching. I have never in my whole life paid my tithes. Ever. When I gave my offerings to the Lord, it was an honor to God. And my substance was, your substance is not always money. So if you think that, well, I, listen, I, I put my offering in the offering plate. That's it. No. Honor him with your, with your substance. That's the all-encompassing thing that you have. That's who you are. That's everything. That's your energy. What, do you, what is the first commandment with promise? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy mind. Everything you, you give to God. It's, it's radical, isn't it? Maybe it's time for you to be radical. And then the next thing is time, this is a priority. You have to organize your time. I'll I'll just break this down. Even today, we still are preparing for Sunday on Saturday, but that didn't start. That didn't start last week because when you had, we have four children uh, and, and, and they were all pretty small for a long time. We laid out their clothes on Saturday night. We ironed their shirts and their and their dress and the dress on Saturday night. We were preparing. It was a priority. We were preparing for church. Now, in those early days, uh, Tammy even prepared for uh, uh, a couple of different uh, different outfits for the kids because we knew they were going to mess up one of them or maybe both of them. But we were preparing for the inevitable. You prepared. It's time management. You might not think that this is this is a spiritual aspect, but if you if you if you squander your time or you don't manage your time, you'll you'll miss your time with God. You'll be running from place to place. You'll be harried, and you'll be you'll, you'll be happy. This this priority is critical. There is a priority that's going to grip us right now today. It is a priority, and if you're going to get to church from here on out. It's going to be because you've made it a priority. Gone are the days when church attendance was easy. Now we're going to start seeing how most of the world has operated to get to the house of God. (laughs) Well, we just did the math. 
coming over here. Roman, how many miles do you get to the gallon in your truck? We did that. Okay, let's pass up the shell station. Let's do a little division. Tammy, we're riding together. We're all going to ride together to church. We saved $3 and I think 57 cents. Praise God by riding together. Listen, you do whatever you want to do. But it's time for us to set our priorities in line. And if you say, well, I don't have... Oh, man. If you say, well, I don't have enough money to get to church. But you still have money for your cable bill. And you still have money for Netflix. And you still have money to go to Starbucks or Java Hot or any coffee shop that sells you an $8 drink. And you still have money for your magazines and your Reader's Digest and whatever else you get. And I don't know what you get. It's, it's about your priority. This is all about priority. What's happened is that we, we're so spoiled that we, don't, we've never, we didn't have to set our priorities. You've got to set your priorities. If you want this, you have to set it. Now, you don't have to have it. But if you go back and li- just listen to a little sermon I preached a year or two ago called, You Command You. The, in fact, it's called The Command of You. Because you do whatever you want to do. Everybody does whatever they want to do. Amen. That's right. You can complain all you want. You can say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have the money. And yeah, yeah, you have the money. You just don't have the priority. <laughs> well, praise God. You know, sometimes I'm the pastor. And sometimes I say words of wisdom and sometimes not. You just decide whether or not this is good. If you don't set your priority in time, you have no personal devotion and prayer or to the scripture. And you can say, well, Pastor, I, I, I just don't have the time. You have a lot of time. Turn off the television. Close the computer. You have time. It's just, it's not time. And it's not going to be money. It's going to be our priority. There's a wisdom in conducting yourself carefully. There's a wisdom in teaching your family and in the correct communication about the word of God and about the scripture. I, I will say that if the only time you ever hear the scripture is when you come to church, you're suffering and your spiritual person is suffering and starving. It is very important for us to communicate healthy principles to one another. It's okay Grandma and Grandpa, Mom and Dad, to disagree with false philosophies and false concepts that the family brings into your home. Set your priorities. Your your priority is the Lord. And finally, and there's so much to this, but finally, the wisdom and priority is serving others to serve. Make it a priority that you serve someone once a week. You serve somebody once a week. Serving others, which does not provide a direct benefit to you. Something happened a few years ago in the, in the world of Christian millennials. They wanted to go to far-reaching countries and dig wells so they could do a good work for God. But when they did it, they all took selfies and wanted to tell everybody how humble they were to help these poor people. And they were waiting on everybody to push the like button. 
And the more likes, the better they felt about themselves. <laughs> Completely counterintuitive to what they were doing. They were doing it for themselves. There are people who serve other folks because, number one, this is not in your handout. Number one, they're trying to make up for something they did wrong, like it's penance. Number two, this is what they think betters them. I'm serving you. It's better for me. It's better for me. (laughs) Or they serve because of pity. They pity someone. All three of these reasons are wrong reasons. They're not the reason to serve. You serve because of your joy to serve. Not because it makes you feel good. Because if it makes you feel good, it really wasn't a service. Oh my. Oh my. No. When I serve, I want to honor the Lord, not myself. Amen. So the priority is in serving someone. It doesn't matter how it makes me feel. It matters that I'm representing the Lord and I'm honoring the Lord in the service that I'm doing for other people. There's another priority and that's the wisdom. I'm sorry. There's another wisdom and that's the wisdom in consideration or to consider. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Underline that word meekness. And then underline this, considering thyself. There's a wisdom in self-reflection because you will be tempted. Bear ye one of those burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So when you're lifting someone else up and you're restoring someone, there is a, there is a, a, a fault line there that now you are above the man or the woman or the person that you're helping. You have to be very careful. Restoration in the restoration process or the helping of another person. The person that's lifting someone up can really be damaged themselves because they feel superior and they have their priority out of line. They're not considering yourself. You'll say, oh, but I've never done that type of thing. And so because of that, I, I, I can, I can be superior over them or I, or I can, you know, I can be in charge. You don't know what can happen in your life, so consider yourself. That's number, that's letter A. Consider yourself. You always consider yourself. Consider the fact that you are fallible. That, that you have had ill thoughts and ill intents. And that you've not always been right. Consider that tomorrow you might face something that challenges your faith. Be careful, not just to boast of, of, of where you are now, but be careful not to boast for tomorrow either. Letter B, consider, there's a wisdom in considering what you're doing as it affects the kingdom. Now this grieves me that the kingdom is not considered. Many people do not consider the kingdom. They consider themselves and what they call their ministry. 
Whatever you do in business, conduct, language, clothing, wherever you are, whatever you wear, whatever you put on, how you walk, who you associate with, always consider the kingdom. It's greater and bigger than you. It matters. There have been people who have destroyed kingdom work because they did not represent the Lord. They represented themselves. And and as it pertains to this wisdom in consideration, consider what you're doing as it affects the body. This is the believers, the church. What are you doing that affects the body, good or bad? It's the representation. Wisdom is found in you considering how what you're doing, business, conduct, language, where you are, how does it affect the body. This is the body of Christ represented in this area, this, this town right here. What are you doing to help the body? What are you doing to hurt the body? What can we do together to bring the body healing and comfort? If you consider the effect on the body, you can relate it to your own body. And, and, We've, we've seen this now where you can put things in your own body for long periods of time and ultimately the human body breaks down or has issues because of what it has consumed. If you consume the wrong thing for long periods of time, it has an adverse effect on the human body. And then there's a, there's chaos that develops. Uh, uh, we were, I was reading, uh, not too long ago, uh, about a place where where the first thing out was the the kids that came into whatever the function was, but they all got to have a handful of skittles before it started. And man, they were putting skittles in their pocket. They were shoving all these skittles in their mouth. And then and then as the event went on, uh, the the staff was talking about these unruly kids. Well. They're, they're on a sugar high, man. You know, they're bouncing off of the walls. You give them Mountain Dew and Skittle. Their bellies are, are, are now bloated. Their, their brains are, they're lit up. They are, they are bouncing. And it's not, it, it, it's, it may not even been what they would have done. It may not have been what they would have done, but, but it's what they took in and it created an outcome. Over time, the church body affects, is affected the same way. If there's junk in the church, we bring junk in the church. Or we have hype, hype, hype. No death, no crying, no repentance. Just shout, run, run, run. Any church that runs and shouts every service and has no introspective look, they're living on a high. They'll, they will die when there's trouble. And any church that's weeping and crying all the time, that means that they have no joy. And they don't understand the joy of the Holy Ghost. They're, it's what's being brought. If gossip and backbiting and schisms and anger and, and all that stuff, we're ingesting that in the body. No wonder why the body suffers. Why does it suffer? Because we have, we have, we have the wrong priority. And we've not considered what it does to the church. What about the baby? I'm, I'm at this point in my ministry now, I just refer back to sermon titles. What about the baby? Write it down and go, go, go look it up. Who's going to do that? Who's just nodding at me and saying, yes, pastor, never mind. 
All right. They're free. I'm not selling it. Just, I'm just telling you to go listen to it. You don't have to buy anything. What, what about the baby? Well, what about the body? What about, what's, what's the wisdom and consideration? The consideration. If I do that, go there, say that, how is that going to affect the kingdom? How is it going to affect my church? These are the questions we need to be talking about. Years ago, we heard the example, Tammy and I heard the example of, of, of some kids. They were kind of picking on a girl and, and um, they were saying about, uh, they, they were saying, why don't you go ahead and do this? And it was a bad thing. And she said, no. And, and they said, you're just, you're, you, you're just afraid of what your dad would say. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not afraid of what he would say. And now I'm losing the last part, Tammy. I'm afraid of, I'm a, say it, honey, loudly. What was her response? I'm not afraid of, 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 of it embarrassing my dad, um, but, I'm, but I'm concerned about, about how it would make you know, him feel that I've, that I've disrespected him. It's something like that. I needed your help tonight, Tammy. I, I, <laughs> wise man's not always wise. This was a wonderful example that fell flat. I'll get it to you next week. Tell it. Yeah, they said, you're just afraid of what your old man would do to you. I'm not afraid of what he would do to me. But what my actions would do to him. Thank you. Okay, let me go over that again. Uh, they said, you're, this is very disrespectful. You're just afraid of what your old man would do to you. And she said, no, I'm not afraid of what, what he would do to me. I'm afraid of what these actions would do to him. And that is consideration of someone else. And finally, consider the person, the individual. Consider, when you're, when you're, when you're speaking, consider who you're speaking to. Consider what they can tolerate, what they cannot. How many times have I made the mistake? Consider their walk with God, how new they are in, in, in the kingdom. In consideration of that, if there's a new convert that walks in, you don't share with them all the issues of, of, of the other people around them. If they have come from another church, you don't share with them all the problems of the church so that they can be well informed. This happens all the time. Not to share anything. People are smart enough to figure it out. And if they don't figure it out, praise God. Wouldn't it be great for someone to walk in and say, this church is perfect. Everyone loves each other. Wouldn't it be great? But no, somebody has got to walk around saying, now listen, don't go over that person. Don't eat with this, this person. Don't get in their car. Consider the individual that you're speaking to because... You want to use wisdom in what you say and how you say it. Amen. And, and, and now I just give a few excerpts. These are just a few excerpts from Proverbs 18. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Oh, so you think you don't need teaching? He breaks out against all sound judgment. Why? Because he reads, he thinks, 
he has no counter to him. He seeks his own counsel. He seeks his own thoughts. He seeks his own pleasure. Here's another excerpt. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Oh, man. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Think of this now. It leads me to number three, wisdom in searching. The wisdom in searching. I first search for the Lord. Thus comes our repetitive thought. I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. It is critical. Job writes, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. To depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Good understanding of all they that do his commands, commandments. His praise endureth forever. Proverbs 1.7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. All of this is found in the Lord. And in searching the Lord, he, he gives me the wisdom that I need. In searching for the Lord and seeking for the Lord, in my search of him, my pursuit of him becomes my way of life. I cannot attain him in full. But as I seek for him, it becomes my continual journey. And in that journey of seeking for God, I am founded and secure. There's a wisdom in searching and it's critical that we understand it. Let me give you a couple practical applications. First, it's to speak and then it's to listen. It's to speak and then it's to listen. There should be a time when you just wait on the impression, the voice, the moving of the Spirit. And in that communication with God, it is the same communication we need with other people to speak to one another and then to listen to them. One of the great gifts that's fallen on hard times is the gift of listening. Not listening, not listening to, uh, to confirm what they're doing wrong. Or listening, you just talk to me and I'll, and I'll just listen to you. If there's something wrong, you should speak. I'm not talking about that type of listening where you, where you accommodate some, someone's false philosophy or their bad lifestyle. But I'm talking about listening so that you know what to say. One of the beautiful things about this Pentecostal apostolic faith that we have is that there is a powerful moving of the Spirit. And there's a huge, there's a time when we cry out to God, when we shout out to God and we dance before the Lord. But one of the things that we struggle with as the apostolic Pentecostal movement is that we struggle with waiting and listening to God. It's rare that there's a solemn service, at least when I was growing up, and people left and say, man, wasn't that awesome? Those weren't the words that were used when it was still and no one was laid out, but it was just, it was, it was the peace of God. 
There is wisdom in listening to the Lord and meditating on God even when we come to the house. Now there's a time for shout and worship and we're going to do it. We, should, we, we have to do it. We have to shout. We have to praise God. We have to clap. We have to sing. There has to be cymbals and trumpets and horns and keys. We have to have all of that. We've got to praise him in the dance. But there's also a time when we listen to God and we, and we hear God. And that leads me to this little principle that, I, that I've learned along the way. I call it the principle of fill in the blanks. <laughs> Go ahead now. Go ahead and exercise the principle. Well, why would I, why would you say that, Pastor? Because you know there are people who they don't they don't take a note, they, they don't fill in the blank, they're not concerned with the order or the structure. Then it's not just that they're not writing anything down; it's that they're not consuming it, they're not following along. One of the one of the men who came into our life in two thousand eight taught us so much, and he he he. he one of the things that he taught us was that when we met with him, he wanted to see the white of our eyes. He wanted to see us bright and ready to learn. And he, he imposed himself on us. He hit the table. And it, 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 it made us, it made Tammy and I look really intently. It made us focus real quickly because the teacher had walked in the room and, um, He's the one who, who, who helped us get to this building. He, he, he helped us along. He was, he was a profound guy. He, he passed away too young. Um, and he was from the St. Louis area. And, and, but when he came here, he would come for three or four hours at a time. And we would, he would go through all the processes. And he would go through all the, all the procedures. And, and at first, we were struggling with, with his procedures because they were uncomfortable to us. Uh, but we... we eventually submitted ourselves to him, it took us a, a, a month or so, and we recognized it is important for us to fill in the blanks of what he's teaching us. And the wisdom of that was deep, it was profound, but it was just an application. This is what I do. I learn this. I learn it. I take note of it. I invest, I, I ingest it, I, 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 I hide it in my heart for it. Fill in the blanks. Don't leave them empty. Don't say, I don't need that. Well, listen, I've already had that. So what? Fill it in again. Well, 10 reasons why you should be a friend. Well, I already know how to be a friend. I got a lot of friends. I got too many friends. Well, fill in the blanks. Well, what would the blanks be? The blanks would be smile. Well, that's a, that's a silly, that's a silly point. That's okay. Fill in the blank. Smile. I did this a couple years ago. I did this. I had 10 reasons on how to be a good friend. It was so elementary, so shallow, so, so small. And it was so little that, that I watched a couple people. They, they, they wanted to get this done with. They were wondering, why did I even come here? Fill in the blank. Doesn't matter what it is. Fill in the blank. Put it down, smile. And I watched one person as they, they were kind of aggravated and they were frowning when I said, smile. Wonderful case in point. If I could have had a camera, I'd just put it right, put their face in a big screen. It's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is 
you don't think it applies to you. People who don't fill in the blanks, and I say that in a very, uh, uh, as, an, uh, as a metaphor, it, 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 it says something that you cannot be taught, you will not learn. I want to learn, and there's a wisdom in it, because while I'm filling in the blank, which seems small and incidental, something else is coming to my mind, and something's opening up in my spirit. Finally, there's a, there's a practical application in the wisdom in searching, and that is respect and honor. Oh, oh, the beauty of respect and honor. Perhaps they're the same word, but I, I, I'll just do an emphasis on that as, as, they, as they affirm one another. There's a wisdom in that. To respect and honor one another, to respect and honor everyone. Do you know the number one thing that every marriage needs? Respect. You know what the number one thing every, every church needs? Respect. People need respect. Every business needs respect. To respect one another in conversation. To respect one another showing up on time. <laughs> oh boy. Yes. It's called respect. Where did, where did respect go? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Let's sing it together. And if you don't have that, your language and your tone and your lifestyle will reflect what you don't have. There's a wisdom in that to honor and to respect. It's practical, but it's important. Uh, in this wisdom and searching letter B, uh, I call this the intentions of others. It's very interesting, the intentions of others, to have wisdom about someone else's intention. I pull this from the story of, of Solomon and two women had a baby, mothers. One baby died and the other mother, uh, her baby lived and a baby was stolen. Two mothers, one baby. And they brought the, the infant to Solomon. They both laid claim to the child. And in Solomon's wisdom, he ordered that the baby be cut in half. And the mother, who was the, who was the correct mother, cried out, let her have the baby. Because the mother of the living child would rather see her baby live than die. She would sacrifice her connection For the life of the child. All Israel heard of the judgment. Which the king had judged. I'm doing a whole study on why we should judge. Right now. And this is one of them. They feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him. To do judgment. The intentions of others. I want you to seek a balance. The balance is very is very critical to you. I don't want the church to walk around skeptical of everything. Nor do I want you to be gullible. Not everyone that professes Jesus Christ is a believer. And not everyone who's in trouble is a devil. Amen. 
They might go through some hard times. They might not be doing right, but just love on them a little bit. They'll get back to where they need to be. And not everyone who looks holy is holy. They're just putting on a show. Most people are sheep, but from time to time, there are wolves that enter the church. Amen. And if you're so gullible, you'll think that they're holy and godly. And you won't know the backstory. And I won't tell you. But that's why I'm teaching you. So that you can have some spiritual maturity to know the intentions of the people. Because when the first mama said, said, just do whatever you want. If you want to cut the baby in half, it's fine by me. The intentions of the mother was clearly known and broadcast. And the intentions of the real mother, it, it revealed her heart. Because the real mama would rather suffer the loss than to hurt the baby. But the people who don't care about the baby, they're more concerned about themselves and they want something done because they're angry. I don't like the way my child was treated. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit nursery. I'm going to quit Sunday school. We're not going to come to church all the time. My kid was left out. I don't like the way the church is treated. So I guess, guess what we're going to do. We're not going to come to church. Or we're only going to come. What you've just done was you've hurt the body. You didn't just hurt your family, which was the worst thing, but you hurt the body. I'm getting right down to your business right now. You will be offended. Don't hurt the body. There will be mistakes. Don't hurt the body. You will be falsely accused. Get over it. Let me just go back to Sunday's wonderful, wonderful line. And one, one, one of the wonderful lines that I preached on Sunday, you probably forgot about it. But now that it's just the Bible study group, I can say it again. Grow up. Grow up. You got the covenant. You got the blessings of God. You've got, you've got worship. You've got a house to praise God. And you've got the freedom still to raise your hand. What are you complaining about? Yes. Yes. Someone is going to do something that's so, it, why would they do that? Yes. But don't walk around skeptical. Listen, I, I don't want to get hurt. My family's been wounded. All right. Yeah. And, and so what extreme did you go, go to? Here, neither be suspect or haphazard. Don't think that everyone is out to get you. They're not all out to get you. But you do need a little protection. Not everyone is horrible. But you might have some convictions that your kids don't watch that rated movie. Not everything is horrible, but you might not want to let them go to someone's house if there's no boundaries. Not everyone is a terrible person to have lunch with, but you might have some, at least a little safeguard and say, you know, I just don't talk about that. I'd rather not talk about that. But instead, we got a bunch of weak people who don't know, they won't speak up and say, you know, I I was afraid that they would be offended. Instead, you let them pour their garbage in you. Yes, this is a depth of maturity that I'm, if you get this, it's wisdom. Neither be walled up or open completely. There's a balance. I'm just open to everything. No, you should not be open to everything. You should not get on, on YouTube. You should not, you should not look and listen to every preacher that's out there. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? You're being fed a diet. You cannot handle all of the rice that they make in Congo. 
I've had that rice. It will burn your belly. Some of you have never eaten Cajun food. You do not know what Tony's means. You don't know what that is. You have no idea. You haven't had boudin. Just lay off. (laughs) You're from Indiana. You don't know, you, you don't just eat anything. But what, today what we have, we have access to every preacher out there, men and women preaching stuff, and you don't know they could be off just a little bit, but that little bit could make a big difference in your life. If you start here and you're off just a half an inch, if you keep on walking, by the time you're done to that wall, you are feet, you're up, you might be 10 feet off from where, from where you should have been because the plumb line was out of order. The plumb line wasn't set. So instead, we're opening up ourselves. We just want to hear what they believe. Why would you want to hear what everyone believes? Find out what you believe. Find out what you believe. Discovery is not always healthy for your life. I already know what's happening with the parades today. I don't need to go to the parade to know. (laughs) Are you, are, did you catch all that? Do I, how, 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 how far down that road do I need to go? I just, I just want to expose this to my children so they're not shocked. What? They ought to be shocked. The death of outrage is crippling us. We should be outraged. But we're not outraged. Why? Because we decide to be open. We're listening to everybody. Yeah, you can't handle everyone. I can't handle everyone. I don't want to handle everything that comes and is available. It's horrible what's available. It's detrimental to your soul what's available. But neither should you be walled up. You should at least have someone that can speak, several people that can speak into your life, that can say something to you, and you won't just say, that's just hurtful. You've got to have someone who can correct you and instruct you, and someone that you will say, I didn't really like how it was put or what was said, but I know it was good for me. Instead, we've got a lot of people stiff-arming all the pulpits and teachers that are teaching godliness and righteousness and making excuses. Don't talk to me about that. Don't tell me about that. I don't know what, what it was, maybe, I don't know, a month or two ago. It was some service. I got up and said something about Offering ties and offering and, and, and some of the staff said a few visitors that come in, they sat in the, in the foyer and, and when I started on that, they all got up and left. It was, I don't know, just two or three people. They got up and left. And, and I said, well, why did they leave? And they said, we don't really know, but it could have been because you were talking about money. Okay. I just, maybe, maybe, I hope not. You know, maybe they just didn't like it. Maybe it was. Still true. (laughs) Still true. It's still right, still in the Bible. You know, I hope I'm not intentionally offensive, but I've had some humor that didn't, didn't go over very well. Don't worry. Don't worry about me not knowing that. You have a wonderful pastor's wife. She ain't no dumb Bible wife. She, she will tell me. I know 
I, I've, I've stopped some of those jokes. When we were first married, I had a wonderful mother-in-law joke. I thought it was great. About three, four months into our evangelistic trails here preaching, she got in the car one night and she said, I'm just going to tell you what, something. You tell that mother-in-law joke one more time. I don't even know what that mother-in-law joke was. Now I forgot it, but it was a good one. If I can remember it, I'll tell you next week. <laughs> uh-huh. And I hope it's not intentionally offensive, but there's some things that we need in our lives to help us. It helps us. We can't stiff arm and wall up everything. Don't do that. Because the end result of that is a dismantling of your family. I teach this again and again and again. I have never seen one family, not one, devoted to God, on fire for God, with children and a family that's fully functional apostolic and have been participating for a year or more in travel ball. Travel baseball, travel basketball. Never. Why? Because they miss Sundays and they're involved in another group. Because their priorities are not in the house. And they say, I just want to have, I want my kids to have fun. What you've just done is you've created a barrier between them and the priority and you've lost the wisdom. That wisdom is from the world. It's from beneath. It's not from God. I have to say these things because they're, they're on us right now. I say to everyone, we've got to get our priority right. It's got to be the Lord first. It's got to be his word. It's got to be the body. It's got to be the kingdom. It's got to be the church. If you want to know where wisdom comes from, it comes from the saturation of your life in the house of God. In the house of God. And, and finally... And I'm, I'm on over, over time. It's, it's my own heart. It's my own heart. I've got to, I've got to search my own heart. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I thought on my ways, the psalmist wrote. And then when I thought of that, I turned my feet to your testimonies, Lord. I thought about what I was doing. I searched my heart. Paul wrote, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Don't end there. Casting down imaginations. In my mind, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. In my mind, and bringing every, bringing into captivity every thought in my mind to the obedience of Jesus Christ. In my mind, let me give you the aspects of this. These are very clear aspects spelled out in this scripture and more. You, if you're going to search your life, there's wisdom in searching your own life. It takes, the first step is honesty. Be honest. Where did honesty go? Where did, where is honesty? There is no amount of gifts, supernatural gifts that can cover up a dishonest spirit. A dishonest spirit is not covered up by any act that you can put on or anything you can do. It starts deep into the heart. Search me, oh God, and know me. We got to go back to those prayers. Search me, oh God, and know me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me. I thought on my ways. I thought on my ways. Number two, 
is a reflection. When I search my life, I reflect. Why am I doing this? There's something that happened in my past environment in the, where I was. So many people today, they, they're struggling with their moment, their present moment, because they've never resolved the issue of their past moment. So I'm going to go back to that moment. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive someone else. I'm going to put that in the hands of God. And then every time I think of it, I'm going to plead the blood over that again and again and again. Because I refuse to allow yesterday to dictate today. Let me, let me do that again for you. Whatever happened last week or in your childhood or last year, if it's under the blood, you're the only one who can pull it out. Let it be. If it's not under the blood, pray, God, cleanse me of this thought. The reflection is important for me because I have to know how I got here. So I'm searching myself. And in reflection, I have to know how I arrived. In that reflection, I need to take, I need to take up the, the issues that are present. Now, I got to pause here and just, I know I'm over time. The people wanted to stone Moses, but they really were angry at God. But they couldn't find God and a stone couldn't affect him. Many people that have trouble and issues, especially people who are faithful to, to the Lord. When you have those horrible things happen, it's very easy to get angry at God. And then what you'll do is you'll find flaws in the people of the, of the Lord. You'll find flaws with your leadership. You'll fi- find inconsistencies in your pastor. But the real issue is you're angry with God. I got to go back and search, Lord. I, I'm sorry. This is something I've never said before publicly. But when I said it in prayer one day, years ago, when I said it in prayer, I laughed and I felt the Lord comfort me because I was angry with the Lord. I was, I was angry with the Lord. Now, I probably got this from my mother. She lost her wallet one day. She couldn't find her wallet. And she prayed this prayer. Scotty, you might have to help me with this one. She prayed this prayer. Lord, let me find my wallet. I cannot find it. Do you remember this? I cannot find it. And she could not find it. And finally she said, Lord, I know you know where it's at. (laughs) I'll find it for myself. I know, you know, I don't know why you're not telling me where it's at. I know you know where it's at. I forgive you, Lord. She remembered where it was. She, I think it was at a gas station or something, wherever she store. She got in her car speeding down the highway. Police officer finally pulled her over. She put her window down. And she said, oh, officer, I am so glad to see you. I, I was praying. I could not find my wallet. And I, I prayed and I, God revealed it to me. I'm so thankful. And, and by the time she got to talking, she said, he didn't really even talk. I said, mom, what, what he say? He didn't really say anything, but I was just rejoicing that I knew where it was and the Lord was so good. And I said, well, I thank you, Lord. I'm going to slow down, but thank you, honey, for pulling me over. She just sped away. She just went in. <laughs> oh, God. I was going through some really tough moments and, and I was, 
I I got angry with God. And in my prayer, I laughed after I said it, but I out of my mouth, I said, I forgive you, Lord. I knew that was wrong, but I felt a peace come over me. I had to, I had to get that out, Lord. You didn't do anything wrong, but I had to, I, I didn't want that thing that I'm reflecting on. I had to search my heart. Just where you're sitting, where you're hearing this, you need to get down in that and say, Lord, I had a disappointment. I thought that it would work out differently. I will not hold it to your charge. I will not hold it to your charge. It is difficult for us to confess, ladies and gentlemen, that he is God. And he's God alone. And he's sovereign. And he knows the beginning from the ending and the ending from the beginning. And all things are in his hands. And then there's two more here. There's boundaries, limitations. I want to know where my boundaries are and my limitations. Where are your boundaries and limitations? Where did you develop them? Did you look across and say, well, you know, they're doing that or they allowed themselves that access. Some of you cannot handle what other people can handle. Some of you can handle more. This was an issue in the early church when they ate meat offered to idols or they had different types of meat or some of the meat was not kosher. So I don't want to be a stumbling block to my brother, so I'll set my limitation according to the strength, weakness of my brother. I don't always set my limitation according to me. Let's do that together. Sometimes we set our limitations where we'll go and where we'll not go, not because we can handle it or not, but because of how it affects the body or my brother. Some things we can do because it's holy, it's godly, it's not unrighteous, it's not carnal, and it doesn't affect the body. Some things we can't do because there may be someone in the group that can affect it. Affect So I'll just give you a case in point. When we have communion, we only serve grape juice. That's it. My grandfather was a functional alcoholic. And I don't care what anyone says. This is what we do here because that's my preference. Now, not every church operates that way. But when we take communion, we take grape juice only. Because I don't want to open up the door. I don't want to have anyone have a little taste of something that leads them to something else. That's my conviction as the pastor. Now, it may not be in some circles. It, it may be kosher to, to have a, 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 this, this much wine with communion. But that's not how we operate here. Are you, are you with me here now? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the limitation is not for me. It's not for me. The limitation is I don't want to open a door to open it for the weakness of a brother or a sister. And there's other limitations in our lives that we have to understand. Amen. There's boundaries. What are your boundaries? And I'm going to have wisdom to understand what their boundaries are. And finally, the last one is information consumed. I, I just want to, I want, I'm searching my heart because, and I've already spoke about this, but the information that I consume, this is my diet. The information that I consume. It's not just information I read online. It's not just what I see but it's the information from other people too. Search your life. It's okay not to know everything about everybody. 
It's okay. Even if you don't tell everyone. I didn't really know this word a few years ago. It's called trolling. You troll people. You know, never comment. You just have Facebook. You find out what everyone's doing. They're trolls. You just find out. Why? I just like to know. You don't need to know. It's not the National Enquirer. No one needs to know. You don't need to know. What information are you consuming? The information that you consume eventually becomes who you are. You don't understand this, but whatever you read, it stains your brain. Or it helps you or it blesses you. (laughs) Amen. Okay. There is a wisdom in these aspects of life. It's the principal thing. Everyone say it's the principal thing. Amen. Now, Lord, I've, I've said many things that have dug deep into the lives of the people. So I ask you, Lord, let the seeds be planted and let it be blessed of you. And now guide us from this place and guide us, Lord, so that we, we can live soberly and righteously in this present world. Give us the maturity found in the wisdom that comes from you. We want the wisdom that comes from above and not from beneath. And I ask these favors in Jesus' name. Amen.